0: So, we are in lesson 18 in the study of the book of Romans. We're in chapter 7. And if you remember from last week, we started the chapter by Paul. He proposed this obvious question. He said, don't you know that the law only has authority over a man as long as he lives? Well, I mean, it only makes sense. You can't keep the commands after death. And there are no commands given to the dead. So you're released from the Torah with your death. And then he proves this by uh, using the fact that a woman is released from the law of marriage in the event of the death of her husband and is then free to marry another. And he says, so like the woman being set free from the law that bound her to her husband, to her former husband, we too have been released through our death with Messiah. We've been released from the condemnation of the Torah, we're set free to serve a new master, just as the woman was set free to marry a new husband. And so in closing this example of the marriage law, he says, So my brothers, you also died to the law, through the body of Messiah, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit to God. And so he says, you too died to the law through Messiah. You died to the law, and then you were resurrected to life, right? So did you die to the Torah? Well, no more than the death of the first husband set the woman free from faithfulness to her second husband. The law concerning marriage and concerning her husband still is in place. And if she is unfaithful to her second husband, she'll be put to death just like she would have been with her first husband. The law regarding marriage remains, but she's set free from the penalty of death for unfaithfulness to her first husband because he's dead. And so now she can marry another. In the same way, Messiah and the new covenant did not set you free from the commands of Torah. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not covet, thou shalt not commit adultery, and the others. No, we've been set free from the consequences of our failure to keep those commands. We're also set free from the sin nature who could not say no to those things which violated God's law and brought us face to face with the condemnation of the law, which is death. We're set free from our sin nature and bound to our new husband, our new master, the Messiah Yeshua. And guess what? In him, there is no sin. The law remains, but your husband, or we could say your master, changes. And Paul makes that very clear in verse 5. He says, "...for when we were controlled by the sinful nature..." The sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our bodies so that we bore fruit for death. When we were controlled by our sinful nature, or we could just simply put it, our flesh, we couldn't say no to the violations of the law that brought about death. We were weak. And notice it says sinful passions aroused by the law. That is a pitiful rendering of the Greek word there. It's the Greek word pathema. I put it up here. It's number 3804 in your Greek lexicon. It says, hardship or pain, affliction, suffering. It should have been rendered as Dr. Daniel Gruber translated. He says it should read this way. For when we were in the flesh, the painful consequences of sin defined by the law worked in the members of our body to bring forth fruit to death. the consequences of the things we did before accepting Messiah Yeshua brought death to us. Now ask yourself this, now that you know Messiah, are those things that you did before still sin? Are they still sinful? Well, yes, they are. Sin will always be sin. So, yes, but that What has been replaced is the weakness of our flesh has been removed and the consequences of our sinful actions have been removed and now we can bring forth fruit for God through our new master, the Messiah Yeshua. We now have a new master and that master is Yeshua. We died with him and when we died with him to our old master, our flesh, then we were raised again to life with him our new master, Messiah Yeshua. And in him there is no sin. And so then in verse 6 he says, But now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we may serve in a new way of the spirit, not in the old way of the written code. So we died to what's bo- what once bound us. And what was what that which once bound us? Was the flesh, our old master, And the penalty of the law, which brought about condemnation and death. So now we can serve in a new way. Not through the flesh, by trying to adhere to the written code, the customs, other customs that were instituted by other men. Not through our own strength. Because history shows that way led to failure. But now in the new way, through the leading of the Spirit of God, who does not fail. Next, he's anticipating some of those who are listening or reading that they may come to a wrong conclusion. And so he says this in verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay. I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust except the law said, Thou shalt not covet. You know, it's amazing to me that the very wrong conclusion that this statement fights against is exactly the stance the church has taken. We missed this and taken the stance that the Torah is bad. It has no place in the life of a believer. Well, I'm sorry, church, but Paul is going to say the Torah is good. And it's because of the Torah that we can recognize sin. The Torah states it, our conscience confirms it. Let's use Paul's example here. You read, thou shalt not covet. You read it, your conscience confirms it as truth to you. Is that bad? No, God forbid, that's good. What is bad is that before Messiah, you couldn't say no to the lusts of the flesh and you sinned, but now in Messiah, you have a new master and you can say, Yes, Lord, I will not covet. Or we could say lust because coveting is lusting. The law was given to make us aware of sin. Sin has always been sin, but we weren't always aware. Now with the Torah, we are aware. What he says next is kind of hard to understand, but if we're going to put it into some context of Paul's life and find that it makes perfect sense. He says in verse 9, he says, And I was alive apart from the law once, and the commandment having come, the sin revived, and I died. And so Paul says, I was once alive apart from the law, and that's kind of hard because... What could he have ever meant? When was he ever apart from the law? He was always under the law. His mother and father brought him into the covenant on the eighth day. So when was he apart from the law? Could he be speaking of the time before he became a man and became accountable? Joseph Schulman, in his commentary on Romans, suggests that he's speaking of the time before his bar mitzvah. Others Commentaries say that the term, I was alive, is used in a more general sense to include all of us. But I think Scripture defines Scripture. And I think that we're going to find the truth within the letter of Romans itself and Paul's history. If we go to chapter 10 of Romans, Paul tells us something about the Torah. He says this in verse 1 through 4, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God... For the Israelites is that they may be saved, for I can testify about them. They are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge, since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish their own. They did not submit to God's righteousness. Messiah is the goal of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Paul speaks of the Israel and he says they did not know the righteousness that comes from God and they sought to establish their own. In other words, they kept the Torah, but they kept the Torah with their own understanding, their own will. They kept the Torah not by the Spirit of God, but by their own strength and understanding. The problem is this, their own strength was really the weakness of the sin nature, and history shows that because they perverted the Torah to justify their violations of Torah. Well, if we're going to understand this, we first need to understand this word's righteousness. It comes from the Greek root word, which means this, and I put it up here. Observing the divine laws, keeping the commands of God. So right away, you have to ask yourself, since they had the Torah and they kept the Torah, which is the divine laws of God, how is it that they missed the righteousness of God? Well, he said they sought to establish their own. They kept the Torah according to their own understanding and they missed the true understanding. You see, Paul answers why they missed the true righteousness in the fourth verse when he says, For Messiah is the goal of the law that there may be righteousness for those who believe. And if your Bible says end, what you need to do is get out your marker and cross out end and insert the word goal. Because the word end is confusing. The Greek word here is telos, and it's the root word for telephone and telescope. And when you dial a telephone or you point a telescope, you have a specific goal in mind. With the telephone, you have a specific number. With the telescope, you have a specific star or planet. So you have a goal in mind. Well, Paul is saying that just as you point a telescope at a specific star so that you can see it, the Messiah is the point at which the Torah aims. So that you can see Him. Messiah is the goal of the Torah. So if you read Torah and you don't find Yeshua or you reject Yeshua, then you've missed the whole point of the book. You may as well have not read the book because you missed the truth and the point of each command in the Torah. Well, if you missed the point of the book and you missed the point of the command, then how are you ever going to keep the command? You can't. So the truth of the book and the truth of the command in the book have eluded you. Well, then if that is your condition and then you meet Messiah the goal of the book, and the truth of the book, and the truth of the commands within the book, then if you, like Paul, were suddenly confronted with the truth of the command, and realized that you were in violation, and you were really a sinner, you could easily say, I was alive apart from the law once, and the command having come, the sin revived and I died. You thought you were alive. You thought you knew the truth. But in fact, you had been deceived. And when the truth came, you were confronted with your sin. That's what happened to Paul. It's why Paul will say to the Philippians about his life before he knew Yeshua. He will say this in chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. He says, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless then of his life after learning the truth of the Torah by the Spirit of God, not by the working of man. Once he found the goal of the Torah, the Messiah Yeshua, he says this of his life. If we just skip down a few verses in chapter 7 of Romans, he says, so I find this law at work in my body. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's Torah, but I see another law at work in my members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Messiah Yeshua, our Lord. You see, what Paul is saying is that Israel missed the goal of the Torah, the righteousness at which it pointed. And so with that in mind, think about this now with Paul's statement. Was there a time in Saul's life, in Paul's life, when he was alive apart from the true Torah found in Messiah? A time when he became aware of the truth of the Torah and the commandments found in Messiah? Well, yes, there was. We can read about it in Acts chapter 9, and verse 1. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was breathing murderous threats against the Lord's disciples, he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. You see, the point is, Paul had the Torah. He had the law. He was a scholar. He was respected within the temple. He thought he was righteous. He thought his life was holy and good. And then he met Messiah, the goal of the Torah. And he was confronted with the truth of the Torah and the goal of the Torah. And the commands came to him and he realized he was a sinner and he died with Messiah, thank goodness. You know, Messiah is so good to us. And the word of God is so good to us. Because if we continue to read the story of Paul, how did he wake Paul up to the truth? Skip down to verse 8 and it says, Saul got up from the ground and he opened his eyes, but he could see nothing. So he led him by the hand to Damascus and for three days he was blind, could not eat or drink. He first blinds him to show him how blind he was and that he was already blind to the truth of the Torah. He was blind to the Torah and and the truth of the commands. And then the goal of the Torah came to him and sin revived and he died. He realized what sin was. What a revelation. Can you think about the revelation this must have been for Paul? No wonder he fell off his horse. Right? In his hand, he had a letter from the high priest, the highest religious authority in the land. A letter permitting him to gather Yeshua's followers, bind them, and take them back to Jerusalem for trial. And then for him to have his eyes open one day to the fact that he and the high priest and the leaders of Israel were blind to the goal of the Torah. The point at which the Torah aimed to be faced with the truth of the Torah and realize that, he says this in verse 10 after he realized it, and the commandment, which is for life, was found to be death, for me, the commandment which was to lead him to the Messiah and his need for Messiah and relationship with God, that which leads to life eternal instead, because he had relied on himself and other men to gather, govern his life, it led to death. Instead of faith and relationship with God, the same type of faith and relationship that the Torah declares was the cause of Abraham being declared righteous, Paul and Israel as a whole kept with their own effort and so they were counted as sinners. Verse 11 says, Because sin, finding an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and put me to death through it. He says, and so sin, and we might as well say the sin nature, because I'm going to tell you something, sin or transgression has, of the law has a true ally in our sin nature. So the sin nature deceived him, thinking he was keeping the commands of God, because of that he thought he was set apart, he thought he was righteous, but he was deceived because he had missed Messiah who is the goal of the Torah so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. The command should have led him to the goal of the Torah, which according to Paul is the righteousness in those who find Messiah who believed. But because he missed the goal, the commandment instead of righteousness and life brought sin and death to him. What is his conclusion about the law? Verse 12, he says, Therefore the law indeed is holy and the commandment holy, righteous, and good. The Torah itself, the commands within the Torah are holy, righteous, and good because they lead you to the goal of the Torah, the Messiah. But if they don't do that, then they'll be sin for you. Not to find the Messiah in the Torah is a transgression of Torah itself. It's the point of the book. Because that is where righteousness is found, in Messiah Yeshua. So the Torah is good. And Paul, anticipating again the response of his readers, says this in verse 13. Did that which is good then become death to me? Far be it. Let me ask you this. Can good produce evil? Can God, who is good, produce evil? Far be it, he says. Let me tell you something. The Torah produces nothing in the person. The Torah is good. But the good of the Torah produces nothing except awareness. It doesn't become good, bad, life or death. The Torah is what it is. It's good. It's always been good. That's what it is. But it is the person who produces something in response to the good of the Torah. If he reads it and understands it and does what is there, his response to the Torah is then good. If in response to the study of Torah, one finds Messiah, makes him his master and is thereby led by Messiah in keeping the Torah, then his response to the Torah will produce good in that person. However, if he misses the goal of the Torah, he doesn't find Messiah and make him his master. If he remains in the flesh, his response to the Torah is going to be self-centered. And then that person's response to the Torah will miss the mark. He didn't find Messiah. He missed the mark. And missing the mark is sin. The Torah is holy and good. What your response to the Torah is will determine if you are holy and good. The Torah makes the way for you to respond in in obedience for good. The Torah also affords the opportunity for you to transgress, which produces death. You see, it's the Torah that makes you aware that your conduct is either good producing life or bad producing death. If your response is to transgress the Torah, which is holy and good, that produces death. So Paul says this in verse 13. Listen to what he says now. But sin, which is transgression of the Torah, we established that. But sin, so that it might be shown to be what it is, brought forth death to me through what is good, so that sin might become extremely sinful through the commandment. The Torah was given to make you aware. It was given to give us a choice to either do good or to Transgress. What the Torah does not do is give you the strength to do that. The book of Hebrews says this. Listen to what it says. Chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates, even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid before the eyes to whom we must give account. It tells us that the word of God is living and active, but it's like a double-edged sword. Where else do we find a double-edged sword in Scripture? In the garden, listen to what it says in Genesis 3. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the garden of Eden carabine and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. What is the function of a sword? It is to pierce, it is to divide, to separate. And what does it separate? Well, Paul just told us what the word separates. The Torah, the word of God is holy and good. So the Torah, being a sword, will divide the holy from the profane, the good from the bad. You read it, you make a choice for obedience or disobedience. You know, there's a service of the Jewish people that the Jewish people have done for centuries. It's recorded for us in Acts chapter 20. It's done at the end of the Sabbath day, in the evening of the first day of the week. It's called Havdalah, which is the Hebrew word for distinction. And what this service does is it ends, it's done at the end of the Sabbath day. It makes distinction between the holy, the Sabbath, and the profane, the working days. And I want to read a blessing that's said at at Havdalah. It says, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who makes distinction between the holy and the profane, between light and darkness, between Israel and heathen nations, between the seventh day and the six working days. Blessed are you, O Lord, who makes distinction between the holy and the profane. Never truer words were spoken. You see, just as this blessing says, the God of Israel is all about making distinction. Just as this service marks marks distinction between the Sabbath and the working days, it marks the end of the rest and the start of the work so too the word of God, the Torah of God, the commands of God make distinction between the profane, the holy, the good, and the evil. It is the sword used by God to make distinction between good and bad, holy and the profane. It's the function of the word of God to divide the holy from the profane. Like the sword at the entrance of the Garden of Eden, it's there to decide who enters and who doesn't. And so Paul also says this of the sword in Ephesians. He says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Paul tells us that part of the armor, armor is for protection, right? Part of the armor of God is the sword of the Spirit. The Spirit is constantly telling us, reminding us if we have ears to hear, this is good, this is bad, this is holy, this is profane. And the sword of the Spirit is not to cut down others as some use. It is not a weapon in the sense that you should use it to condemn others. But the sword of the Spirit divides the holy from the profane. It's used by the Spirit to show you the way. The Torah makes us aware of sins so that we can choose not to transgress. And if Messiah is our master, then we also have the power to choose, right or wrong. If the flesh is our master, not so much. A great example of this is what Paul was trying to say is the Yom Kippur offerings. You know, if you look at the service for Yom Kippur, that's the day when the atonement offerings were made for the entire house of Israel. You're going to find that the sin offering was for sin that was done unintentionally done in ignorance something that you didn't even know that you had committed the sin israel had done in ignorance however intentional sin that was another story that was not covered by this offering and so we could say unintentional sin was sin intentional sin was extremely sinful What the Torah does is make you aware, and if you are aware and still transgress, then, like the Yom Kippur offerings, didn't apply to you. If you know the law and you knowingly transgress, you've graduated from sin to total rebellion. Utterly sinful. So Paul says this in verse 13, But sin, transgression of the Torah, so that it might be shown... to be what it is, brought forth death to me through what is good so that sin might become extremely sinful through the commandment. Do you get it now? Sin will always be sin, but the knowledge of sin makes the transgression utterly sinful. The Torah divides. It's helpless to do anything else. It can't show mercy unless you find its goal. Then, Then you'll find mercy but the Torah by itself, merely divides. Enter Messiah Yeshua, who shows mercy and the spirit of God who gives guidance in life. It is the spirit it is Messiah that forgives your transgressions and keeps you from transgressing in the future. The point being, you can know Torah, but miss Messiah, and that will still lead you into transgression and sin and death. Well let's look at the other side of the coin. What happens? To someone, if you know, if someone tells you about Messiah and you accept that, he came and died, but then you look at the Torah and you still transgress or you reject the good of the Torah, what happens to you then? Well, that's easy too because all you have to do is go read 1 John. He tells you exactly what happens. He says this, chapter 3, verse 4, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning and no one who continues to sin has either seen or known him. Dear children, don't let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. He who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. You see, it's not really hard, folks. In fact, it's really pretty easy. You've been declared righteous by God. And if you do what is right by keeping the commands of God through the leading of the Spirit, then you will live righteously and you will show the world Messiah is your new master. However, if you keep on sinning, you show that you're flesh and the devil is your master. And you have really not ever even known Messiah. The law is holy, righteous, and good. What will your response be to the holy, to the righteous, and the good? That's the question, and that's the point of Paul's letter to the Romans thus far.